The Fitness Hacks Podcast, Episode 39. Today, we're joined by Mark Halpern, registered dietitian and columnist for Breaking Muscle. Welcome to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. Breaking down fitness and the fitness business with some of the best names in the industry. And here are your hosts, Corey Lefkowitz and Ryan Heenan. You have to have writing samples. You have to show that you can do this. You have to show that you can uh, have a good writing style and a reasonable writing style. Mark was such a great and interesting guest to have on the show because a lot of the time we're interviewing personal trainers or people who own fitness businesses, but he also goes over the nutrition side of things as well. So if you're interested in getting into nutrition, he's a great place to start. I love talking with him because I'm a big fan of writing and I love writing and I feel like so many people we talk to don't like writing, but Mark has actually built his business as a columnist for Breaking Muscle and doing different freelance writing gigs. So it's great to see that as an opportunity and a way to build your fitness business or your nutrition business. So let's jump right into it with Mark. Hi, Mark. Thanks so much for being on the show. Can you tell us a little bit about your fitness journey and your background and what led to your passion for fitness? Sure. Um, I actually lost about 75 pounds back in high school. Uh, so that really took me, you know, my passion for it. And then the question of whether when it became a business versus, you know, there's a difference. I think I realized I wanted to do it for a living. And I think at some point you have to realize it's, it has to become a business. Uh, so I went to school for it, but didn't realize that it's, you know, you really have to make it your own business until after school. So, um, you know, started the passion at an early age and, uh, you know, just sort of continued down that path and very fortunate on, you know, the contacts and kind of the group I, I, I keep, um, you know, in, in the field and, uh, just plugging along. We talk with a lot of personal trainers. So people more doing the workout side of things, but you're a registered dietitian, correct? Correct. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do as an RD? Yeah, and that's, you know, a lot of RDs just um, get out of school and they get clinical jobs or, or things like that. I never, never really went that route. I always sort of drifted out on my own. Uh, so what I do now is mostly nutrition coaching where I'll, you know, have constant contact with my clients and uh, talk weekly and, and, you know, meet up monthly. And then also... Uh, working more on the other end of setting up uh, a system for not just me to run with people, but for other people. So really what I'm working on now is I have a numerical system of where I categorize all the major important things that I, I believe in, in nutrition and uh, starting to use that in like gym challenges and, and larger group, uh, whereas it doesn't have to be as hands-on. So that's sort of where I'm heading these days. So you're creating systems so that other trainers can use them and implement them. Correct. Correct. So I use a system. So for example, like some of the categories are sleep, uh, food, you know, uh, portions, quality, um, and things like that. And I leave it open for people with different backgrounds, right? So you might say you might have a, a different fix for helping someone sleep than, than I would, but at least it's a system of organization. I think that's what's really missing in the nutrition field is there's all this talk about habits and, and then you have the macro crowd and all these different modes and they all work and they have pros and cons. So all I'm doing is organizing it in a way that we can keep it, you know, 
objective on what's our priorities. Uh, so I just use a numerical one or two, one if you didn't do it, two if you did do it. And then every week I review when we look up the total points and then we look at where our gaps are. And then that's how I target where, where a fix is. So for example, I had a client who swore up and down that the, you know their protein wasn't high enough and that was what doing it. But we found out that they get three hours a night of sleep. So it objectively took us to get better sleep and uh, you know that sort of set that person on a path to once you have seven hours of sleep or, or, or more, you could focus on protein and those things a little bit better. So it's just a system of organization. I would imagine dealing with so many different facets of life from the nutrition to the fitness to the sleep, the mindset comes into play a lot. Would you discuss a little bit about in terms of what you do to tell your clients in terms of how to change that mindset to get into the right frame of mind to accomplish their goals and stick with the programs? Sure. Well, piggybacking on my numerical system, one of the things I started doing is actually graphing it. So I actually take uh, their total points for the week, and then I plot that on a, on a bar graph, and then I on a line graph on the same plot, I put their results. So for some people, it's weight loss. Uh, some people, it's just energy levels, 1 to 10. And we can actually see trends. And it started when I was going over the, you know, I've I'm kind of the money guy between my wife and I, and I was, she, I was telling her about our finances, and she's like, "I don't understand it. I don't. I can't get. I can't get excited about it. I can't see anything." And then I started graphing it, and uh, I took that over to the nutrition side of things. And it, I think having people see where things are heading is motivational. Where as if there's no system of or or graphical thing they can see, it's just sort of going week to week, going through the motions. So uh, to me. Seeing the trends is is more motivational than anything I've ever found. I totally agree. It's that you know visual component so that you can actually see it's happening. You can see your improvement, but it, it gives you something measurable with your your numerical system because so often you know these habits, while they are measurable, we can recognize if we did them or didn't do them. Like seeing that number, okay, I did it or I didn't do it. It gives you that visual, which keeps you moving forward and keeps you motivated. Right, and helps you target what you need to work on, and then this way you don't miss time working on something you don't need to work on, or, or at least it's not a priority. And it's especially important. I mean, look, we just had New Year's, so you know as well as I do, the New Year's crowd comes right on in, and then around President's Week in February they all fade off, and that's sort of not fake motivation, but it's really just it's motivation based on nothing of substance, nothing concrete be underneath them to fall back on. So having some something objective at least keeps you you know, sort of, I don't want to say takes the emotion out, but it helps you make an objective decision that I think is huge. And, you know, we all work on emotions. I mean, that's why people buy the, you know, 20 day detoxes and God knows what else is out there. I often find when dealing with clients and the, the nutritional portion of things that they want to overcomplicate things. They want to go after that quick fix. They want to add in that supplement before they want to really dial in the basics. And I know your numerical system does that, but how do you sort of talk to clients to bring them back to the basics? Yeah, that's always a tough one, especially depending on the time of year, you know, what they're reading or what their friends are doing. You know, the, the common one you see is, well, my friend is doing this shake diet or, or whatever and losing a bunch of weight. I think a big myth out there is that you can't lose weight quickly working on the basics. So one, I just explained that to them. And I think, you know, with my system, you can take it as hardcore or as not as you want. You know, I have some people who just 
track what they do didn't really change anything right away. And I have some people who dive right into it and we work on portions. They're kind of hashing out their meal plan. And I think one, that depends on personality, uh, you know, big time. And two, I'm now starting to get some data in on clients that I've had with big success, what their, what their point systems looks like, what their graphs look like. And, and I could actually tell people now with a little bit of confidence, uh, Hey, if that's your goal, here's how many points it's going to take. And here's where you stack up. So, you know, I, I like to be open with people and I like to be objective. So I think that's, that's really the way to go. I think that's great that you're collecting data on it too, because it gives you that potential to reach so many more people once you gather it. And it almost gives you the potential to scale it. Do you have any plans for that in the future? Yeah. So I'm just finishing up uh, an ebook on it and uh, that should be done hopefully in the next few days. I mean, these projects always, there's always something more to do, but, uh, so I want to scale it that way and I want to scale it, uh, in terms of bigger groups. So I want, I have a couple of people trying it out in their gyms with, a you know, sort of, a not replaces a big challenge, but I guess refocuses a challenge, not so much on results, but on the, on the points. And, uh, so that's really where I want to go with it is, uh, you know, larger group sort of challenges, um, which really focuses on the behavior side of things, not pure results. And, uh, I think that's, that's the way for me to reach more people. You mentioned you were fortunate to have a group that sort of supported you as you grew your business. How important, or what would you suggest that trainers do when they're first getting into the industry to develop their own network of people to support them? Yeah. You know, that's, that's, if I can go back and tell myself to do that earlier, I really would. Um, we have, we have Seth, uh, your, your, other guest, Seth Muncy, he's, he's part of that group. And, um, it really, when I moved from New York to, uh, Salt Lake, I just called Dan John and just said, Hey, you know, don't think you're, I, I don't know what you're doing, but I'm, I'm moving. And, you know, he was so welcome. And, you know, I don't, I don't think enough people just pick up the phone. Um, Dan will give his number out to everybody at like a perform better or a big conference and no one calls him, you know, and, the people who make the phone calls are the people who make the, make the connections. And, uh, my other advice would be, and if you're going to contact somebody that you look up to, or you want to get to know more, offer them something, offer to do, you know, help them with a the project, just, just offer help. And, and I think you'll get more in return than just trying to, uh, not leech off of them, but just, you know, just showing up. So yeah, I would just call the people who you, who sort of, jive with whatever values you have and, and see what they have to say. Most, most people in our industry are very accessible uh, and, and more than willing to help. Now, it's interesting you touch on that Todd Kushlikish from A Shot of Adrenaline brought that up too, how so many people shy away from the phone or they try to make one point of contact and then they say, ah, oh, they didn't respond to me, so I'm not going to try again. So, you know, I think that element of making that personal connection, but then also following up and yeah. building that network is so important to make those connections. Oh, it's huge. I mean, I have a friend who went to a state school and got an internship at Google. Uh, this is going back. 15 years when you could not get an internship at Google without being Ivy league. And he just made so many contacts with former alumni and just, you know, wrote letters, showed up, called and, you know, he got his internship, got a job with Google and, you know, went on from there. So it's the same in any field. If you if you keep at it, it'll, it'll come. Uh, I think you're right though. Too many people say, you know, Oh, I sent an email, so I didn't hear back. So whatever, you know, Pick up the phone, show up at an event, introduce yourself, get your face out there. That's 
the, you know, the people who speak at perform better and, and all these big conferences, I mean, yeah, they're super smart people, but there's a lot of other super smart people out there, but these are the people who are up there doing it because they pushed their way in and they, they just showed up. And, uh, you know, I think that's the biggest thing. We've been talking with a lot of different people in the industry who've, you know, made their way doing a lot of different things, whether or not it's opening a gym or starting an online business. I know you do some freelance writing for Breaking Muscle. Can you tell us how you got into that? Because that's another avenue that I don't think enough trainers consider or enough uh, registered dietitians considered or nutritionists. Yeah, you know, I was talking to a web developer at at some conference. He does a lot of the... uh, fitness pros websites and he told me you'd be amazed about how many he called it like the website graveyard is out there where people got excited paid him to run a you know start a website and then wrote like one blog and that was it uh one and this is you know this is things i'm still learning as well but one you have to have a reason why you're writing you know i think if you are just writing just to write that's cool but you have to have a target audience that you want to reach and a purpose, you know, with the online business, um, you should be writing so that you get your name out there so that you can, you know, get a bigger audience. Uh, some gigs that I have, you know, you just get paid good money to write. Um, the, I, but I would say the biggest advice to getting those things, because I've had a lot of people ask me, Hey, how, how can I get in with, you know, so-and-so with, with writing, you have to have writing samples. You have to show that you can do this. You have to show that you can, uh, have a good writing style and a reasonable writing style. So, uh, my advice would just be send your, you know, send your writing samples all over and start small. And I, I think you get bigger from there. You know, the more I write, the more requests I get to either, you know, do a guest blog or, or, you know, write for somebody else. So start small. I mean, like I said about my network of, of people I run with, I was just fortunate that, you know, I have a pretty well-connected group, but, uh, you know, anybody can get into it if you if you just hone that skill. And for some people, you know, you guys do a podcast. I think that's great. And writing doesn't always have to be everything. It could be a podcast. It could be video. Some people do better in video. So finding that media that works well for you, uh, I think that's huge. You know, I'm not a big video guy, but I'm a I'm a better writer. And some people are different. So finding your media, finding your audience, and then just get it out there. And I think it's consistency is so important too. And it's great touching on the fact that so many people start, but then they lose that motivation instantly when they realize they have to keep, keep doing it. You know, it's not, yeah. just, it's not just I'm doing one post and that's it. Well, yeah. And the people with the big email lists, you know, who put out online products and sell a good amount of them because they have a big email list, uh, they didn't start with one blog. You know, they started with, you know, little things, just get a small audience and snowball that into better writing and bigger projects and, and, getting everything in place and that's it you know writing one blog to nobody isn't going to do anything but just write and then once you feel like you have enough uh content start to start to put it out there i mean the worst thing is people call you nasty names on the internet but that happens anyway so who cares i was gonna say you don't feed the trolls you just ignore them just yeah exactly just the more trolls you get honestly the better you're doing (laughs) the ultimate measure of success it's it's the (laughs) amount of troll comments you're getting Oh, exactly, exactly. If you get if you get hate mail, like physical mail, then you know you're like you're big time. <laughs> then you've officially made it. You're in. You might as well just get a throne and call yourself the king. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> 
So you talked about how developing your audience is very important, and you touched on your weight loss journey. Did that play any part in terms of when it came to choosing who your avatar was going to be that you were going to write to? Or at that point, had you progressed further along where you wanted to go into more of the strength and nutrition side from a different angle? Yeah, yes and no. Um, You know, weight loss is obviously probably our biggest market and what people want the most of. And and, and I definitely identify with that losing the weight, but that was a long time ago. Uh, so what I've sort of morphed into now is, yeah, it's weight loss, but it's also just general health. You know, uh, the busy person and who wants, they, they don't necessarily need a six pack or anything like that, but they just want to be healthy and enjoy their family. And where I've sort of morphed is, is not just pure nutrition or strength training, but the other side of things of stress reduction and, and relaxation. And, and I believe firmly uh, that stress reduction and stress management is the key to all this. You know, I work with so many people who don't even have time to, let alone cook, they don't even have time to eat, you know, so they just eat while they're driving, eat whatever they can grab. And I think that's the fundamental problem these days. So that's really where my work is going, is helping people, you know, with their nutrition changes, but primarily from a standpoint of how do you, you know, time management, I mean, stress reduction, you know, um, even my own training, I've spent more on relaxation stuff than I have on fitness equipment. You know, I have a massage chair and we're getting a hot tub, you know, um, I, I just think that's, that's, that's obviously extreme. You don't have to do that, but that's sort of where my work is heading is that busy person who wants to lose probably 10 to 40 pounds and just doesn't really know where to start. It's such a great thing to to focus on the stress reduction and the sleep and all those different things because people do really only focus on, you know, working on nutrition. And I think those are sometimes maybe a little bit in a weird way easier to change. So they go to those or there's more information out there about it. Sure. But yeah, and go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go ahead. no I was gonna say, you know, if you don't have the stress reduction in place, the nutrition and the exercise actually add to your stress. You know, focusing so much on what kind of diet you're going to do and this meal plan. And if you don't get results this week, you're going to stress out. And then, you know, strength training and exercise is a form of stress that that's obviously good in in doses when you can recover. But if you already so over that edge of, of stress, you know, and you're getting three, four hours of sleep and, you know, and whatnot, how, what's exercise and nutrition going to do for you? So that's why the first thing I look at when I, on my system is sleep. Do you get over seven hours or under seven hours? And if you get under, why? And then that usually we usually dive in to find out that, yeah, they're stressed, they're you know fully loaded at work, and uh, that's where we start. I'm a firm believer in practicing what you preach, and it sounds like you already do. So could you take us through what the average day looks like for you? <laughs> I do wake. Yeah, it's like I wake up. You at sit, 10 sit in and your massage nothing. chair all day. <laughs> I just sit there. Yeah, well, that that's not a bad life. I got news for you. That's it's uh, pretty awesome. You know, from hot tub to massage chair. You know, take a nap. <laughs> well, I run. Uh, so I run the fitness center for uh, TPC Summerlin. It's, it's a PGA Tour uh, owned golf club, and they have a big fitness center. So I'm usually up around 4:30 in the morning. To me, waking up early is relaxing. I love to be up early before everybody else. Have my cup of green tea, relax. Uh, so I'm usually there from about six to 11. And then I have, uh, really a lot of my nutrition work, you know, midday, a lot of it's really catching people when I can catch them. You know, like I said, my target audience is busy, stressed people. So whenever I can get them on the phone, we usually, uh, 
do that. So I'm a little chaotic midday. And then really I'm done by, I try to be done by four or 5 PM and just relax, you know, eat, eat a slow, slow dinner, relax, uh, hang out with my dogs and just don't work too hard. I think it's great that you have time at the end of the day to wind down because it's very important that we sort of have that me time, whether or not if someone we were talking to mentioned, you know, even the five minutes sitting in your car, like breathing deeply to yeah. let your, you, yourself mentally relax. Yeah. You know, just having a, even five minutes or, or 10 minutes. And I try to have at least a couple hours at night and I go to bed really early. So it's kind of nice, but, uh, you know, so many people don't have any time for themselves. And when they do, it's, it's something, you know, they're, they're always running somewhere. And one of the questions I ask people quite often is, do you read? I don't really care what you read, but do you read? And a lot of people, you know, say, well, no. And we find out that they don't even have time to read for five, 10 minutes. So, you know, I, I just think brain health and, and all those things are just so important. And you can't get that from a supplement. You can't get that from, from any routine. You just have to, you know, block out that time and, and just, you know, call it what it is, you know, everyone's so connected to their smartphone that they're checking their email all the time. So even if they get a free five minutes, they get an email that pisses them off or, or something urgent. So, uh, put that phone on airplane mode. Mine's on airplane mode from 7 PM on and, uh, just, just relax. Yeah. And I think that ties into, I mean, technology is obviously a great development for everyone and everyone can benefit from it. But at the same time, that comes with convenience that's not so great. The fact that you can look at this blue light glowing device at any time of the night and do things that are stressful or get food that can be prepared instantly to eat in your car. I mean, right. you know, so I think a big thing now is, is finding that balance. And like you said, make the time to just sit for five minutes and read, you know, so yeah. it's, it's all about finding that balance where you can make those healthy lifestyle choices, but also, you know, sit in your massage chair and appreciate technology. <laughs> That's where I'm sitting right now. It's not on, but it's, but you know, it's still relaxing, but yeah, you know, it's all about it's all about having a routine, you know, and I, I describe it to people and people are like, you're a weirdo. I'm like, oh, whatever, you know, I'm relaxed. You're not, but you know, I have a, I use a diffuser sometimes. I just put some lavender in there and just, uh, I have a red light, you know, like a pink salt lamp and, uh, you touched on the blue light, you know, I have a blue light filter on my phone and, uh, it sounds weird. All that stuff sounds weird, but you know what? It's just, that's my routine. So there's some research behind those things, but I think just as important is just, it, it tells me. Hey, it's time to wind down, you know, when I kind of dim the lights a little bit, just sort of relax, you know, put some tunes on. And so, uh, physiologically it's important, but it's also, you know, getting into that routine of telling your body, Hey, time to wind down, you know, turn the, turn your phone off and just relax. I think it's interesting how it's almost flipped backwards where, because you use an, a blue light blocker on your phone, you're weird <laughs> because you sleep, <laughs> because you sleep seven hours a night, you're weird, but it's, it's come to this point where it's cool and you know you're a hard worker if you have 12 cups of coffee a day and you sleep two hours a night you know it, it's kind of funny how that got flipped on its head yeah you know it's almost like a measure of success in our society now like oh i didn't sleep i pulled an all-nighter i'm like i never pulled an all-nighter in school <laughs> like why would i do that i'd rather sleep eight hours and then actually have my brain functioning yeah i'd say that uh, that put me out of commission for the rest of the week just the, the right. one the one all-nighter <laughs> Yeah, hey, call me an old man, call me what you want. I'm in bed by 8:30. I'm done. Call call it a night. You know, I but it's it's definitely a switch because you have to realize that and I found this out, you know, the hard way years ago that 
if I don't get that at least seven, seven and a half hours of sleep, I'm so unproductive the next day that I'm better off actually missing a few hours of whatever I'm doing the next day by sleeping and I'll get more done in less time, you know, and I'll be much happier about it. So it's just a tough one. You know, we're so stimulated by, you know, caffeine, energy drinks, all these things. Uh, it's hard to get out of that cycle and you almost don't realize how poorly you feel until when, like, you know, you go on a vacation and you go to bed early or you go camping and, and you realize that, um, how, how stressed you really were. I think it's also important to note that you mentioned the routine and whether or not, you know, someone believes in the science behind those things or anything in your head, it triggers the relaxation. It helps you, you know, mellow out after a stressful day, if it was stressful at all. How would you suggest someone goes about developing a routine? Because I think, you know, in theory, we all like the idea of that, but it can be very hard to make something a habit enough that it becomes a routine. What tips do you give your clients? Sure. You know, the the number one thing is you have to start small and you have to start confident. So you have to be so confident. It has to be almost too easy. You're like, you know what? I could do way more and just scale it down to what's what's so easy that it's almost hard not to do. And, you know, technology, like we talked about, has its pros and cons. But one of the pros is that you can put in your Google phone, hey, shut it off or hey, you know, I have an iPhone. So it automatically has a uh, it turns the blue light off at, at a certain time. So set and forget is always the best in anything we do. Nutrition, training, relaxation, set and forget. So you can change your uh, timer on your TV to turn off at a certain time. Um, so anything you could automate is best. You know, I know some people who put dimmers in their house that uh, you can put on a timer. Uh, so I would go with the set and forget things first. And then second, you know, th- there, there are certain things that you could just get that, that will help and I was actually sitting with Dan one Dan John one time and his daughter came home crying about something and he he just he just told her to stop talking. He said, Look, can I just throw money at it? She goes, Well, yeah. He goes, All right, well, here's the check. <laughs> so so sometimes you could just throw money at something and it, it will help. So a couple things I have on my list there are uh natural calm. So it's just a magnesium citrate supplement and uh it helps you relax. So just having that. Buy that, mix it in some hot water at night, and it just helps you relax. Uh, you know, I bought a diffuser with with some lavender I put in there. You know, I, I lived in Salt Lake for a little while, and that's like the Salt Lake is like the uh, mecca of essential oils, <laughs> which I you know everyone has a different opinion on. I really just use it for the diffuser because I like the smell and, it, and it's relaxing. But you know, just having some of those items there that uh, kind of visually you see it. Oh, okay, I'm going to turn that on and uh, just start there. You know, I think it's a lot daunt. It's a lot more daunting for people to say, "Hey, go to bed an hour earlier." It's like, really? You know, I got to feed the kids, take them to soccer, and you know, by the time I, you know, watch Game of Thrones, it's ten o'clock at night. I can't do that. So, uh, just start small. You know, things like the natural calm, the diffuser, the uh, blue light. I think that'll help not just get you a little bit more sleep if you can wind down earlier, but it improves the quality of the sleep you you actually get. And hey, we'll take anything we can get. Yeah, I think those small steps are important, too, because if you were to say, go to bed an hour earlier, you're essentially yeah. trying to break their current routine rather than making small changes that, that are easy to implement. Right, right. You don't want to just break it. You want to just slowly replace. And uh, yeah, there's still nights I struggle with it. Sometimes you want to you know, stay up and watch a, watch a show or whatever. But hey, I'm a big New York Giants, New York Giants fan, and 
the, honestly, one of the best things that helped me get sleep was moving to the West Coast. Because on the East Coast, you watch the primetime games at night. You don't go to bed till midnight. Here, it's done by eight. You're done. So. Yeah, we, we had the same thing. We lived in Boston. And I, I just said now, living in California, I don't even know how people on the East Coast watch sports. Oh, Everything yeah. Everything ends so late. Oh, yeah. At eight o'clock, I remember just falling asleep, trying to stay up. And then you have to be up at six in the morning. Here, it's like at eight o'clock, I'm done. You know, I get to watch my game. And so if you really have struggle, if you really struggle with getting enough sleep, move to the West Coast. That's the answer. We were talking. <laughs> we were talking about making changes a lot there, and I know at the beginning you mentioned that if you could give your former self some advice, it would be to have made connections earlier. Is there any other advice that you would give your former self? Yeah, and it's going to sound. It's, it might offend some people. It might sound weird, but I don't think I'd go to as much schooling as I did. You know, I got a, a bachelor's in exercise science, a master's in nutrition, then I became a dietitian. It's a lot of school and you know, I've made the return on investment work for me because of, you know, my, you know, just the way I developed my business, but just going to get a job from those degrees really doesn't pay much. And, um, what's amazing about the fitness industry is you have so many things at your fingertips that you can learn, you know, from a workshop or an online course, you know, think about it. You have, you can go to perform better and see all, all these people. You can, you know, my friend Josh Hankin, you can take his DVRT class and learn so much. You can get all his years of experience and knowledge uh, from taking, you know, maybe a two or three day course. Um, so I don't think I'd actually go for my uh, bachelor's in exercise science. I don't think I really use any of that information. It was just, you know, it was good background book knowledge, but, you know, I could have been so, so much further ahead in that stuff if I just sort of skipped that and went to a lot of these certifications. You know, you can go, if you get FMS, you get RKC or Strong First, you get Titleist certification, whatever, you know, and you can really tailor which certifications and things you go to depending on what niche of clients you're working on. I think you can fast track that a little bit. And I know it sounds terrible. Don't get it, you know, don't do as much college, but I think, I'm not saying don't go to college, but I would be smarter about uh, how much of it I went to and how much that costs and uh, really pinpoint what I want to do with it before I go spend that money. I actually love that. I mean, I, I, <laughs> I, I've thought some of those same, same things that, you know, like education is great, but A, you need to get experience and B, it's it's so much learning by doing. I mean, I guess that goes hand in hand with experience, but it, it's it's nice to hear someone else sort of say that and say that they would have, you know, learned by doing and, you know, gone and connected instead of just spending so much time in school. Yeah, you know, I... You can, I think you can get a lot further ahead a lot quicker and not spend as much money. Think about it. You know, you might say, okay, well, uh, Strong First RKC is $1,500 for a three-day kettlebell course. Yeah, but try spending 80 grand on school. You know what I mean? So I bet you I bet you with 10 grand or less and over maybe you could, if you make like a three-year curriculum for yourself, you can get an amazing plug-and-go education for strength and conditioning. Um, you know, if you just picked your certifications wisely – read the right books, networked with the right people and just learned by doing. I think for that 10 grand in three years, I think you can do much better uh, there. Now with nutrition end of things, it depends what you want to do. You know, I don't regret getting my RD. Um, I, I wasn't a big fan of the program. I don't think I got a lot out of it, but uh, um, you know, cause I don't work clinical and I don't work food service, but I'm credentialed now where I could pretty much, you know, I, I have a lot more um, power behind my, my words because I'm an RD and uh, so I don't regret that but I certainly would have cut back a little bit so what are the right certifications and the right books? <laughs> that's the question now yeah yeah who can I plug let's see no but uh, 
it depends on who you're working with. Um, you know, I've been super impressed by Josh Hankin and DVRT. You know, I think that's just a plug and go system that really is just scalable to whoever you're working with and, and tailorable. Uh, I, I thought Strong First or RKC, they're, they're sort of sim- similar click room. I thought that system of training is really good. Uh, original Strength, awesome. Uh, I'm a big fan of anything that is reasonable, uh, teachable, you know, applicable and, and scalable. And, you, you know, there's some things out there that are awesome, they sound cool, but you go to your clients the next day, you're like, you know, it's almost so complicated where I don't even know where to go. So, I mean, that list right there, you could, you could do worse there. Uh, I know Dan John's doing his art of coaching workshop where, again, you go to some of these workshops, you're getting someone, you're getting decades of experience of here's what I did wrong. Here's what I did right. And here's how to do it. So I would start there. And really, you're building a foundation with some of those things. And I I like that you even brought in the client because it's really about learning to help your client. It doesn't matter, you know, about the new tool out there. It's about building that foundation for them so that they can move and feel better. Yeah, and I'm guilty as anybody else early on in my career. I was a big BOSU ball, you know, balance on the stability ball. And, uh, you know, you, you learn as you go and you start to realize, like, you know what? I don't think that's getting any return on my investment for the risk. And, you know, you just start to start to read what's what's el- what else is out there, and you know, um, really find your own way. And it's tough if you don't if, if you don't get connected with the right, you know, how to. You're gonna you're there's people who think Jillian Michaels invented incline. <laughs> <laughs> so I mean, you know, you just gotta you know. Don't they teach that in uh, in college? <laughs> they do. Yeah, she did invent it. Actually, it's a picture of her in the textbook. But uh, <laughs> you know, I. I think you have to almost make mistakes first in the beginning and then sort of when you look for the answer, that's when you'll find open doors. I agree. You you learn by making mistakes and no matter how long you've been in the industry, you're always going to make mistakes because you can't possibly know everything. So it's accepting that you're going to make those mistakes, you're going to learn from them and you're going to continue learning and never think that you know everything. Yeah, I hope 10 years from now I'm not doing what I'm doing now because I'm hoping it advanced and, and morphed and, and, you know, got better so there's nothing wrong with evolution and making mistakes and you know learn from it i don't think enough people uh track what they do you know so take a journal and write down what really worked and what didn't really work you know what are you good at teaching you know look olympic lifts do well for a lot of people i don't teach them it's just not my strong point i i'll send you somewhere else you know so take what you're good at what you're really comfortable teaching and just hone your hone your system like that so you mentioned the future in 10 years down the road. Can you give us a little insight into where you think fitness is going in the future, both for yourself and for the industry in general? Yeah, you know, I think, look, I mean, we're all, we're humans, right? So that, that aspect's never going to go away. So we're still going to have those quick fix diets or programs. I think that's always going to exist. People are still going to get sucked into it. But what I'm hoping is, uh, you know, I think the big area of research now is genetic testing and, you know, uh, 23andMe and some of those early things that are coming along, I, th- I think that's going to get a lot better. And for a lot of adults who might do that, you know, I think that's useful information, but the, the challenge still remains. We have to actually do these changes. So I think we can get targeted in those changes, but the, the, the challenge is still getting people to do it. But I think for the younger generations coming up, I, I'm hoping that, you know, as people are born or as we're children, we can get profiled a little better in terms of Hey, what you're really at risk for, what 
what's really the right ratios of food and types of food for you. And hopefully that starts to take hold in these generations, sort of what they grew up with. Um, and I think that's really the direction. And what I'm hoping is that, that what I do in my system just helps people do uh, the things they're supposed to do and let the technology help me pinpoint that even better. I think you're so right saying that technology can be such a tool to help us do our jobs better, you know, the trackers and everything else. Cause as you said, people don't track enough. Do you think there's a point though, where people get a little too involved in, I don't know, playing with their phones to track stuff or <laughs> only using technology and not being intuitive with how they're eating, how they're working out? Yeah, that's a balance. And that's a personality thing too. You know, um, some of us can get obsessed with it and some of us, you know, well, I'm sure you guys have seen, if you tell people the food journal, half of them will do it and half of them will absolutely hate it, you know, and that's true of anything else. Uh, some people put a Fitbit on and just like get obsessed with it and some people will absolutely don't want to know. Uh, but I think you hit it right where either way it has to be intuitive and we have to get back to our internal hunger cues. You know, we have to really realize what hunger is and what it isn't and how that relates to us and, um, you know, sort of getting that intuitive eating and uh, getting in tune with your food a little bit more, where it comes from, uh, you know, our food making process. We don't even know how so most of our foods are made anymore. So that's the fine line, you know, using technology to help you pinpoint more of what you need, maybe help you track things and keep things objective. But it can't become this obsessive number game of, oh, my God, well, if I didn't hit this number, then, you know, what am I going to do? You know, so. Uh, you know, for the right person, it works. For some people, I, I don't have them track much at all. Uh, you know, with what I use in terms of my numerical system, one of them is planning. And I thought forever that, you know, the hardest things were portions, were quality of food, were cooking. Planning is by far the most daunting thing for most people because we lose touch with you know, what we're supposed to eat and what we're supposed to have on hand. We're so busy that we never actually have a plan of what we're going to eat. Um, so, you know, that's where I see technology hopefully helping where, uh, it helps you, you know, sort of keep on point with your grocery list and what you're supposed to make the next day or, or if you can't have something in place where like a meal service delivery or something like that. So I'd say uh, that's why I'd like to see technology help people out is, man, planning is just so daunting. If you asked 10 people what they're going to eat three days from now, they're going to, I bet you maybe one out of 10 might know. It's, it's such a crazy concept, and it kind of all ties back to education and learning how to use the technology properly. Because like you said, you can have meals delivered to you if you know you're not going to be able to cook yourself. But at the same right. time, you can have a pizza at your door within <laughs> 10 minutes or it's free, you know? So right. it's, it's like with the good comes the bad. And just hopefully that technology steers in the direction of, you know, hey, here's here's an app that shows you which farmer's market has local produce, you know, different things like sure. that where people will be able to make those educated decisions to then implement the changes. You no, know, that's, but that's the issue is implementing, you know, um, how many times you see on Facebook or, or, you know, Instagram where it's like a quick recipe where they show you like a, you know, a fast forwarded video on how to make something and people share it and they talk about it, but I bet you nobody actually makes it, <laughs> you know? So, I mean, look, I, I, one of the biggest questions I get from most people is, well, I need recipes. I'm like, you literally have access to billions of recipes by any Google search you could ever want, you know? So is it a recipe issue or is it a issue that 
you really don't know where to start. You know, you don't even know how to cook. How many people know? You, you know, cooking skills used to be passed down from generation to generation. That's starting to fade out. And uh, I think if you get yourself to figure out, okay, what food values am I part of? Do I am I an animal rights person? Do I want to be vegan? Do I want to be paleo? Whatever it is, it is. You pick one. You know what what food means to you, and then you have to find out. You know, how many meals am I going to have per day? You know, and, and what should those meals, you know, look like? And what I use a lot of times is hunger cues is if you try a meal and it doesn't keep you hungry for more than a few hours, then what good is that? Now you can go searching for recipes on what you're starting to find out about yourself. If you find out, you know, for me personally, if I don't have a starch with a meal, I'm hungry an hour later. So I know that any recipe I find have to have something involved with that. So, you know, you, you got to f- almost customize it to yourself and things like recipes and then technology will really come in handy because then you know what you're looking for. But if you don't know what you're looking for, technology can't help you. This is slightly random, but talking about recipes <laughs> made me think of it. You know, people not only ask for recipes, but they, they constantly say, you know, healthy foods are boring. They have to eat the same thing over and over again. And I'm always like my jaw drops because <laughs> I'm like, you probably eat the same thing over and over again more often when you're not eating healthy than when you are. Right. right. That Big Mac over, you know, every Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, right? It's easier. Uh, yeah, that, that, is a, that is a myth out there that healthy food has to be bland, tasteless, and it has to be the same thing. Um, and that's just simply not true. I mean, I eat the same breakfast every day just because I, I mean, I look forward to it. I eat a Stonyfield yogurt, a handful of raisins and dark chocolate peanut butter. And I just, you know, that's what I love. It's not boring to me. And, but it's nice having a meal where I just sit and forget. I know what I have. And then, I mean, there's endless options of, of food, but the word healthy people think boiled chicken and lettuce, you know, and they don't realize that just, you know, the possibilities are endless. And like last night I had a, uh, they had lobster tails on sale. So I had a chopped up lobster meat and made a three egg omelet with sauteed spinach and uh, some Swiss cheese on top and a piece of sour sourdough toast. I mean, what a good meal. And, and to me, that's healthy. It, It was good protein. It had enough fat in it. I had my starch and it kept me full and I didn't overeat, you know? So to me, that's healthy. Now, if I was, hardcore paleo, maybe that's not healthy to me. So I don't try to get in with food values with people. I let them figure that for themselves. You know, I'm not going to push one, you know, I call it food religion. You know, the vegans fight the paleos and then the the low carbers fight the high carbers. It's look, whatever food means to you, we can find things that work. And, uh, yeah, you know, I just think we have to redefine what healthy really is. And that opens the doors to all sorts of food. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice, and you've given us so much for our listeners to take in and absorb. We're going to transition into a segment where we're going to get to know you personally in a segment called The Fast Five Fitness Facts, where we're going to ask you five questions, and you can do your best to answer them. You ready? Sure. So question number one, what is your favorite exercise? I'm a dude. It's the bench press. (laughs) Every Monday. (laughs) Hey, uh, hey, National Bench Press Day, Monday, you know. I'm guilty as anybody else. I'm a meathead at heart. So yeah, I got to go with bench press. I don't know if I should be worried for the answer of this next question, but what exercise do you love to hate? <laughs> you know, I got to go with deadlifts. Uh, oh, I, no. Breaking what? Her heart. Breaking her heart. Why? 
but but I but I love them, but I hate doing them. Jeez. I, okay, okay. Touche. At least it wasn't just leg day in general. That no, no. That would have no. been the dude answer, I guess. And in, in opposed well, to a I, bench. If I really have an exercise I hate and I have no silver lining, it's rear foot elevated split squats or Bulgarian squats. They just suck because when you're done with the torture of ten reps, you realize you have another leg you have to do. <laughs> Wholeheartedly agree with that answer. Wholeheartedly. <laughs> Redemption. You redeemed yourself. Okay. All right. All right. Yeah. Don't nobody nobody send me hate mail. <laughs> so here's a tricky one. What's the best book you've ever read? It's a tough question. You know, I'm a Lord of the Rings fan through and through, so I got to say that's my favorite series of books. But uh, I, I'll, I'll give a second answer. My recent favorite book is uh, uh, the new one by uh, the guy who wrote Born to Run. So it's called Natural Born Heroes. Uh, I don't know if you guys have read that or heard of it, but I would highly recommend it. As I say, I've heard of Born to Run, but not Natural Born Heroes. Okay, yeah. So he did uh, another book about um, so Natural Born Heroes is about the Greek resistance to uh, the Nazi invasion of Crete, and how that resistance actually ultimately helped end the war because the Greeks kicked their butt for a couple couple of weeks with pitchforks, and they didn't realize that it was going to be that tough, and uh, it delayed their getting to Russia before the winter. But he ties in really well. Uh, the physical feats they did. So Erwan LaCour is a big part of that story. Um, Phil Maffetone is in it about how, you know, just, so he's kind of taking the physical feats of some of these things that these Greeks did, you know, the, they would run 20 miles at a time and, and you know, and on eating nothing, almost nothing. And he would sort of tie in modern fitness and uh, principles. So that, that was a really cool book. I'll have to check it out. Uh, you don't happen to also like Godzilla a lot, do you? Not a huge Godzilla fan. Okay, just had to ask because uh, we actually had Fury on, and he loved Lord of the Rings. But before that, no one had had that answer, so we had to ask. <laughs> yeah, not totally Godzilla, but I watch Game of Thrones now too, so that's like uh, Lord of the Rings rated R. You know, it's kind of. <laughs> <out of that. laughs> All right, so next question, and it's a tough one. What's your favorite pump up song? All right. Well, we already talked about how I like to relax. So I actually, you know, when your I was younger, pump down song. Yeah, you know, when I was ten years ago, if you asked me, it would be Limp Biscuit, Break Stuff, you know, and I would, I was just angry and just like that stuff. But honestly, my pump down, I'll just put on some Jack Johnson, and I could honestly lift heavy, do a do a great workout to Jack Johnson, and be totally cool. It's banana pancakes. Hey, there you go. We're better <laughs> together. <laughs> and if you could train with one person, alive or dead, who would it be, and why? Well, my serious answer would be my grandfather who passed away a couple of years ago. And what was cool about about 10 years ago, my dad, my grandfather, and myself belonged to the same gym. And my grandpa joined the gym in his 80s. And, you know, I, I believe that led to him living longer. Uh, and I don't think I took advantage of that enough. So that's my serious answer. But, I mean, come on. The real answer is who doesn't want to work out with Bieber? I do. <laughs> Got to work out with Bieber shirtless, just working out. Bench pressing. <laughs> I, I, and I'd, I'd imagine the lab, Dan John's lab, is, is up there, right yeah, behind, just, right below Bieber. Yeah, Bieber, you know, you got Arnold, of course, and then there's Dan, but not in the winter. His, his garage gets pretty cold in the winter. I don't, <laughs> I don't miss working out in gloves and a hat and doing bear crawls in the snow, but it, it, it's there. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in Southern, so, yeah. In Southern California, it gets to be 
low 60s and people bring out the gloves in the <laughs> yeah it's no different here in vegas everyone's yeah. freezing i'm like you guys don't know what cold is you know i, gr- I lived in buffalo for a while <laughs> yeah and one more bonus question for you <laughs> exclusively sure your go-to healthy meal at a restaurant Ooh, that's a good one i'm a sushi fan so i'd always go with a two rolls a miso soup and a, and a and a kicker just to get a lecture nutrient seaweed salad. I like but I'm that not answer. a Sorry. but I'm not but I'm not a salad guy. Like it's easy answer to go to any restaurant. Oh, just get a salad. No, you should get what you want to eat. You know. But uh, I think the biggest thing with going out to a restaurant isn't trying to be perfect. It's about portioning. So one of the strategies is to just. Uh, take half of it home before you even get an opportunity to eat it. And I like what uh, a fellow dietitian friend of mine, Georgie Fear, says is halftime. So eat half the plate and then take a five-minute break and decide if you want more. I think that's a really good advice there. So, you know, I, order what you like. Uh, you know, try to do the best you can. Try to get some veggies with it. But I think if you just ate half of that full plate, I think you'd be totally fine. And even take that time to assess, you know, am I hungry or am I full or am I just eating because it's there? Yeah, because it's there. So um, try not to order things. And, and, you know, a lot of times salads are just as high calorie as other foods because all the dressing and stuff. And the problem with that is you can't take half home because it's going to just be, be you know, kind of sludgy. So, yeah, order real food. Get it. Get a nice protein and then try to order a veggie with it and uh, try to, eat, you know, see if you could eat half. That's that's the best advice. You know, a lot of I think a lot of times people try to be too perfect at restaurants, but Really, the the real answer is try to avoid eating out as much as possible. Only do it for a, for an event or a social thing, but uh, don't make it a sort of a routine. It's true. Enjoy those times where you are eating out. Yeah, and save your money. Jeez, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah, and I thought you were going to ask one more bonus question about how my dog uh, tried to eat Seth Muncie. That was the next question. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All I almost right. Brought, right I almost so brought she... it up earlier, but. <laughs> she's pawing at me right now actually uh she's she's anxious to talk about seth i was gonna say but, i think it was more bite him in the butt huh she bit him right right in the butt um you know he probably deserved it in your dog's defense <laughs> my dog is blind so she has daredevil like senses so i think she sensed weakness and she sensed beta and uh Seth is too nice of a guy where I don't think she trusts it. I think she's, she said, this guy is too nice. He must have like bodies in his basement or something. So he's not welcome here. Either that or there might've been a disc in his back pocket. That's true. That could have been, but <laughs> yeah, I'd get this golf. But yeah, she, uh, I let her out and, and he walked in and she lunged right at him and, and just like a heat sinking missile. It was awesome. <laughs> but he got over it. If he stayed at my house plenty of times, he knows my dogs and, uh, Josh Hankin was over as well and he's got four dogs. So, you know, Seth didn't have a lot of, uh, people to feel, feel bad for him. Well, on that <laughs> note, now that everybody's not coming over to your house, cause they might get bitten by your dog. Hey, Hey, we, we have a, we found a, uh, my wife found a pit bull, uh, in a, in a parking lot and we took him in and someone knocked on our door at five in the morning, uh, a couple weeks ago after I had left and he poked his head out and lo and behold, nobody was there anymore. So not a bad thing. No, it's true. (laughs) Mark, can you tell our listeners where they can find you to follow up and 
not get bitten by your dog in the butt. <laughs> yeah, just let me know if you're coming over so I can I can introduce you the right way. But uh, it's markhalpernsblog.com. Um, that's my website where I, I do some writing. I'm, a, I'm in the middle of an update right now where I'll have uh, probably in the next week I'll have the ebook for sale about my system, and I'll have a collection, a, a tab for a collection of my my articles from Breaking Muscle, and I write for uh, On Target with uh, Larry Draper, and uh, so I'll have a collection of those. And uh, it's markhalpernsblog.com. Great. We'll be sure to link out to both the book when it's available and the site. Awesome. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks so much again, Mark. All right. Absolutely. Have a great day and uh, an awesome 2017. Thanks for listening to the Fitness Hacks Podcast by Redefining Strength. For the show notes and more episodes, visit redefiningstrength.com.